we always are in the business of having to persuade people of a different point of view to get them on board with a new perspective. And if you know how to do that well, and I think the only way to do that well is with the power of story, you can be incredibly successful. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nasky. I just want to stay, uh, to say a second of pause to thank you for joining us and supporting the show. I've been reading through the feedback. It's wonderful, it's warm, it's supportive, and thank you so very much for that. Keep it coming through. Now, on today's call, we're going to learn a lot, not a little bit, a lot about storytelling as it applies to the workplace, and we're going to do that with the wonderful Mr. Richard Stone. Welcome to the show. Oh, pleased to be here, Rick. Thank you. Yes, it's absolutely uh, my pleasure to have you here. Now, you and I were just talking about some of the uh, the weather events that have been happening. Where are you located? I'm in the Atlanta, Georgia area, which is the southeast uh, part of the U.S., and there have been these lovely storm systems moving across the southeast uh, that have had tornadoes in them and <sighs> all kinds of other severe weather and hail and lightning <laughs> and thunder and, and chickens dropping out of the sky. I don't know, all kinds of bad stuff. No, yeah. Well, look, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, we get some uh, brighter days locally. And uh, I'd love to, before we jump into the core of the call, which, by the way, for everybody who doesn't know much about Richard, you soon will. He is actually the, an author, he's a speaker, and he's also the CEO at his business called StoryWork. And on today's uh, call, along with many other topics, we're going to be talking in depth about his latest international best-selling book called Story Intelligence and why every business owner needs to own their story. So I think think with that, Richard, a very good place is to start with your start uh, with your story. We know where you live. Um, have you always lived there? No, I lived uh, for many years in the Orlando, Florida area, and uh, my journey there as uh, was as a consultant. I I did work with Walt Disney Ideas, which was on the back lot of MGM Studios for a number of years, and uh, moved to the Atlanta area about six years ago. So, but I, I, I'm actually a Florida bred person. You don't find too many people born in Florida these days. <laughs> but I was, I was born in Tampa, Florida, and I've, I spent a good part of my adult life there. Yeah, fantastic. You know? Now, I, I've been reading through your about page, and it is just to say. Uh, comprehensive would be an understatement, Rich, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. But um, I know that uh, you are so very busy. I wonder, do you ever have any time to relax? Well, actually, I'm heading to the mountains on Friday. Oh, there you go. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> How long for? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to Georgia, actually, the North Carolina mountains, which is just uh, about three hours north of here. And there's a lovely area. There's Asheville, North Carolina. If you ever heard of that. Yes. Uh, it's nestled up in the mountains, a beautiful area, and uh, we have a dear friend who's got a house on top of a mountain, and, oh, and me. Um, Tough I'm, ready for, I'm ready for a little rest, actually. I've been working very hard without a vacation for a while, so um, this will be... I'm pretty sure and certain that that would be the case. Now, are yeah. you a hiker? What, what's your thing? Oh, yeah, you we'll, 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 we'll hike. Uh, we'll hike and eat and read, and, uh, and, and I will cut myself off from all email oh, yes. and uh, just... Uh, See what whatever the rhythms 
wherever they take us. Yes, yeah, so it's funny, given the experience you've had with technology recently, it's very much a well-welcomed rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, I, I always like to talk a little bit more about the people behind the business, because as we all know, the fundamentals of business don't change, but what does change is the uniqueness of the individual that I'm talking with. I would love to, if we could, Richard, wind back um, it through time and go back to your childhood. Now, when you were growing up, what was one of the things that you remember from Oh, gee, I wasn't expecting these. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting we were to unearth my childhood, Rick. Yeah, um, but we uh, are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and um, as a kid, and, and you know, it's funny, we don't change a lot even when we get to be adults. No, but I, what do I was, they say? Adult, um, uh, children in adults' clothing? <laughs> That's right, and, and and as a kid, I, I loved playing all kinds of sports, and then you know, depending upon what the season was, American football or American baseball or golf, and I still hear it at this point in my life, I'm still playing golf, and I used to uh, play golf. I, I had we had a double lot, and. And and I we could set up holes around the house, but you had to some <laughs> some cases you had to hit over the corners of the house. Oh. Unfortunately, my good friend Paul McCloskey uh, sculled a ball into my parents' bedroom window. Oh, that good was one, sort Paul. of the <laughs> that was the end of the golf. But I, I have very fond memories. We had all kinds of tropical fruit trees, and we had two gigantic avocado trees in our yard. Yummy! And every every uh, season. We would harvest those. We had a long, long pole with a can on it that yes, had a, yes. a stick, and we would we would twist off the avocados. We we harvested so many avocados. Of course, we were eating them, you know, like every Day night for dinner yeah. and lunch, and we were giving bags away. My mother would take bags of avocados to the grocer and sell them to him. Um, so I, I have very fond memories of uh, the trees. We had grapefruit trees and orange yes. trees and Wonderful. mango trees. So it was um, so it, it was. Typical tropical Florida. Yeah, beautiful. So you, did you mention that you had pets when you were growing up? You know, um, we had a dog when I was much older. Um, I had a chicken once. Oh, really? <laughs> I had a ferret, so that's kind of strange. You know, <laughs> and it was, it was like one of these cases where, you know, here in the States, they, they, it's a terrible thing they do, but they, they will dye little chicks different oh. colors. Oh, really? And somehow I ended up with a little baby chick, and it. So pretty soon we had a chicken like hanging out, you know, around the back. <laughs> and, and one day I came home, and my mother informed me that um, that our maid had taken the chicken home because it really needed a bigger space. But oh. I suspect I suspect my oh. chicken was eaten. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! No, <laughs> it's a, it was a very it was a very perturbing experience. I'm still working through it in therapy. <laughs> I'll help you through. Now I can tell that you are a naturally gifted storyteller and I'd love to turn to that in a moment but um, as you were growing up Richard did you have anybody that uh, you thought fondly of that uh, was basically like a mentor who that was in your formative <clears throat> years that you looked at? Well well you know it's so interesting for me you know people say well who were the storytellers in your family and I and I realized probably in some informal ways my mother was a, was a storyteller she was also an actress. Um, Good fit. I, but I think I think the real first mentor I had was was really in college was a guy named Charles Scott who's still alive, and he was my philosophy professor, and Charles always had an open door for his students, and he was maybe the first adult that I knew who really cared about what I thought and felt, 
And, he, and it was fine just to come on by and knock on the door. And, and he was curious. Uh, and uh, and he, he used to smoke a pipe. And, and he, that pipe would start to... <laughs> Billow up smoke, and the room would be filled with <laughs> pipe smoke as he's listening and reflecting. And he was a Jungian psychologist as well, and he loved kind of exploring archetypes of ideas. And uh, so Charles was a really important figure for me, um, especially as a as a as a young adult. Yes, wonderful. Thank you for sharing. This is this is where the value of the My Future Business Show really shines through. I appreciate you um, sharing a window into your, your life. And speaking of uh, that, I'd love to talk about the books behind you. Are you an avid reader? Do you get much value from reading oh, stories? Oh, I read a lot, I, you know. And, and when we moved here, we, we gave, I think I had shelves and shelves of books and made a decision. Am I going to read any of these books again? <laughs> again, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I did I did keep a, I've got a pretty good collection of folklore, which yep. I've, uh, which I love and uh, some mystical writings I've got we've got a fair collection of those things that we've uh, maintained through the years a few business books along the way and As but I'm do. always re- yeah I'm always reading I'm always I'm reading I just started a wonderful little book um, that is about um, it's about the difference between children's brains and adult brains oh and what's so fascinating, they're fine, you know, we just think that adults are just sort of mature versions of children, but but children are really different creatures. They're, they're more like, uh, you know, uh, there's a metamorphosis that happens when we become adults and we move from childhood to adulthood and we leave something behind. And And what I love about the notions in this book is that children are exploratory. And they're, they're, you know, they're continually exploring yep. the world. And, you know, everything is new. Everything is fresh. Everything is, is wondrous. And at some point, for many of us, that somehow gets turned off, that, that switch. Yes. And, and, uh, and then we start relying as adults on what, what this author calls exploiting what we know. And, uh, and we, we often are not open to new things and new ways of seeing and new ways of exploring. Hmm. Um, so for me, this is, uh, as an, also as an artist, um, this is about uh, seeing, staying fresh with your, your insights. And I think this is very important for people in business, is we can easily get locked into seeing a problem or situation uh, in the same way over and over again. And we put it in a nice box that's uh, familiar, mm-hmm. um, but it's not always useful for us. And sometimes it requires someone not in the system. That's why we hire consultants, right? Yep. They're, not, they're not enmeshed in the world that we're in. And they can see things that we just can't see them. And they come in and they go, yeah, but why are you doing this? You yeah. go, well, that's, we've always done that. But why? And, and and you don't have a clear reason. Well, use we did it. We did it twenty years ago because. But but that's no longer relevant. Um, so um, so the, I love this notion of how do we, as adults, learn how to be children again? Did you in a sense? Yeah. Did you when you were growing up? Did you have one particular story that you remember remember fondly? Well, um, Mark Twain, American author, mm-hmm. uh, the tales of Huckleberry Finn. Of course. And I remember my father reading those to me, and I was so captivated by that story. And uh, this young boy who was out, uh, you know, wandering <laughs> the world and having adventures. Um, so that that to me was a 
pivotal story for me, I think, in many regards. Yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing. I, I wonder, did you have to go through that relearning? Did it? Did that, did that uh, <clears throat> I guess, that wonderment of story get switched off for you as an individual as you grew? Oh, um, well, uh, probably... Um, Probably in some ways not, mm-hmm. and that and and I had a hard time as a as a uh, as a young person and in college trying to settle on what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, uh, I at one point I was in a graduate program in psychology, getting a PhD, and and I knew I didn't fit there. You didn't know <laughs> I just it. didn't belong there, mm-hmm. and I, I ended up dropping out or taking a leave of absence. It turned out to be a permanent leave to go <laughs> off and study, study painting in Chicago. Yes. To my parents' horror, they uh, my uh, it was uh, my mother wrote me one of these great uh, kind of Jewish guilt letters. You know, <laughs> how how could you do this to us after everything we've done for you and you know you, you know you're ruining our lives and. And um, and so you know there there was there was this impulse for me to be expressive to um, to create things uh, and um, you know a, a lot of the adult world is not about creating things but about producing things and, and fitting in and yep. and complying right and um, and so um, at some point I recognized that I that I I, I was meeting people who were in their fifties and sixties who were still waiting table tables and doing carpentry, you know, almost living hand to mouth and you know, so they could buy paint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I, I just don't that doesn't feel like a story that I want. Yeah, at the end uh, of the and day. I was trying to figure out what was the story I wanted. So I ended up coming back to Florida and uh, and willy nilly, it's a longer story. I talked my way into an ad agency. And I, and I had no coursework. I knew nothing. And these guys taught me the business, uh, but it gave me a place for me to be creative as a writer. And, uh, you know, I ended up directing photo shoots and producing commercials and all kinds of things. And um, so in many ways, that was very well suited to me. And I ended ended up owning my own business, though. I ended up at some point uh, going out on my own. And had a pretty big shop and was doing quite well, uh, but I was no longer doing any of the creative work. <laughs> and now I was running the show and worrying about cash flow and making uh, uh, payroll this week and uh, doing all the new business acquisition and working 80 hours a week. And something in me said, this is not it. Yes, again. Yeah, <clears throat> like a transition again. It was a big transition. I made a decision to sell the agency. And uh, willy-nilly, I was out uh, backpacking. So we were going up to North Carolina. I'd done a lot of hiking in my days and used to do, you know, real hiking, you know, going mm-hmm. out into the wilderness. Proper boots and all. And, oh, proper boots. <laughs> Pack the way too much, you know, you know, with all your, everything on your back. Pack mule, as and, say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was coming back on a plane from, uh, like, like, Wyoming, out west, western part of the United States, and there mm-hmm. were two backpackers seated next to me, a couple. And, you know, we were comparing trails, and you hike this trail and that trail. And at some point, they said, have you ever been to the National Storytelling Festival? And I said, well, I have no clue. What is that? What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? And there's this uh, town. It's in Jonesboro, Tennessee, in the northeast corner of Tennessee, uh, not far from where we're going to be uh, going for our visit in North Carolina. It's about four hours north of Atlanta. And they set up revival-sized tents in that town. It's an historic town. Most of the buildings 
are were built in the 1800s. There's even a building built in the late 1700s oh, that's wow. been restored. Uh, no traffic light in the in the main part of the old town. And they set up these revival-sized tents all over the town, and they bring in the best storytellers from around the world. Um, and it's a very folksy experience. And so uh, at some point, I got, to, I got to know these people, and they said they were going up. And I said, anything to get out of the agency, uh, to get away for <laughs> a few days. And, yes. and I, I drove up with them, and I had an epiphany sitting in the audience listening to um, a, a farmer named Michael Cotter. And Michael was a third-generation farmer from Minnesota, and he was telling about the things he had witnessed on that farm and the changes that had happened over the generations and the way they were farming, and 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 the tales were filled with mystery, and they were just touching. And I have a friend who was a writer who had come with me. She wanted to do a story on the festival, and I turned to her. I said, "This is this is what I'm supposed to be doing." This is it. Oh, yeah. It really was. It was an epiphany for me. I, I had no clue what that meant. Um, but you not too long it. after. Yeah, I just knew it. And and, uh, and I not too long after that, the agency, we got an offer on the agency, and I sold the agency, and I embarked on a career in story. And it's not like uh, you say, oh, I'd like to be a doctor. Oh, well, you, know, you need to go to four years of undergraduate school and another four years of graduate school. You know, there's a, there, there are clear pathways for many professions. Yep. There was no map for this. <laughs> so you know, there were some people. Yeah, there were people were exemplars out there, people who were sort of doing different things, but there was no no map for how do you go out and do this and now, looking, do something with it. Looking backwards, you've now since that time written multiple books. You've got the healing um, art of storytelling, right. family legacy, the kingdom of Nout, and you co-wrote the patient uh, survival handbook. And now, obviously, with your latest book called Story Intelligence, I'd love to, if we could, maybe pivot to talking a little bit about both um, story work, the business, as well as story intelligence. Yeah. Well, in, in my journey early on with story, I recognized um, that I was not going to be as interested in just telling stories to um, auditoriums filled with, uh, with uh, screaming six-year-olds. <laughs> Uh, and I became much more interested in business and applications of story to business. And uh, I had a client uh, when I had the ad agency. Uh, he had the license for Sears Pest Control for the whole country. So he was really a substantial client for mm -hmm. me. And I went to him and I said, hey, Chuck, I I've got these wild ideas about using story to to change the way we behave and, and, and manage people. Uh, could, you got a problem I could try, you know, try it out on. And, and he did have a problem. Uh, in, um, in South Florida, they have a, an ant. It's, kind of, it's called a ghost ant. It's very, very teeny yes. ant. And I don't know if you've got them in Australia, but um, if you don't do a good job of uh, kind of eliminating the nest, um, the, the ants go nuts, nuts and they create two nests. Oh, oh yeah, multiplication. <laughs> the problem suddenly multiplies, oh, yes. and, and, and now you got a real problem. And, and the problem they were having is their guys were going out, and they were not thoroughly doing the job, and so they were spending an enormous amount of re money retreating. Oh. And, and then, then actually, you know, and often had going through a lot of trouble trying to track down the new nests and all those things. And it was costing him, he, he figured, tens of thousands of dollars. And I said, that's a good one. 
So we tested out um, using st- teaching managers how to use stories to influence their key technicians. And so that was the beginning of, uh, of an attempt to kind of figure out how, how can you use story as a management tool. Uh, no, no one was writing about this in the, in the 90s. When I first started this in the early 1990s, there were no books that were really out on story. Now there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's, there's one a week that comes mm. out practically, it seems. But uh, no one was talking about this. And I began looking at leadership, the question of leadership, and how do we become better leaders, and can story play a role in that? Uh, and then looking at how do you change organizational culture? Mm-hmm. And uh, along the way, I was, you know, I was basically acting as a consultant at that time. I developed a relationship with the head of human resources at Disney Imagineering in Orlando. And uh, he started uh, inviting me in to do... Now, Disney is, is a story organization. Of course. You know, their, their product is a story. And, and, and everything that they create, they think of it in the, through the lens of story. Even, even the trash cans have a story. Have a story. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, wherever you go on the park, you know, it's not a trash can. It looks like a suitcase, you know, that's, or, you know, a steamer, just steamer trunk. But it just so <laughs> happens it's, it's a trash can. And, you know, so... They, they, uh, he understood intuitively what, what I was interested in doing and, um, and started inviting me in to help him with some serious problems. So at one point, uh, Walt Disney Imagineering, which is, is most probably people can imagine, is the creative side of the company. They yes. come up with the rides mm-hmm. and the theme parks and the, they, they, the themed uh, hotels that are wild and crazy. Love them. Um, and then there was another division called Disney Development Company. And this was mostly engineers, some architects, but these were guys who put in the roads, <laughs> the infrastructure, <laughs> yep. you know, the sewage lines, yep. uh, you know, all that kind of how to grade the properties. And, you know, and they would build the hotels and uh, the cultures in each of these sub organizations were quite distinct. Construction is very different. Uh, Oh, very distinct, and 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 they didn't have a high estimation of each other, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, the Imagineers looked down their nose at the at the Disney development people. You know, they you know they they didn't have a creative bone in their body, and and the Disney development people would look down their nose at the Imagineers. These guys could never bring a project in on budget <laughs> if they had to. You know, they were always over you know, cost overruns. Mm-hmm. And someone uh, made a decision that they should merge the two divisions. And that's like oil and water. And so I got a chance to design a, uh, a program that was essentially uh, a story program to bring people together to share stories about accomplishments. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, so we, we, we mixed, uh, you know, at every table there were secretaries and engineers and imagineers. And, you know, there was all mixed and it was very thoughtful about where who we put where. And we had, you know, so, you know, you'd have a, someone talking about how he figured out how to move the bridge 200 yards and save the company $5 million. And another person who talked about, you know, how he solved a problem with a ride to yes. make it more exciting. And then a secretary who, who figured out how to change the filing system to make things more efficient for everybody. Um, so the idea was to create deeper appreciation for with the, each other. With the, for each other as human beings and for, what they each were bringing to the table. Um, you can see how that would be uh, very useful. Is it, is, it, is it any different 
I guess uh, when you're trying to tell a story in a workplace and it is from, you know, your traditional out-of-workplace sort of hours stories, what's the difference? Well, yeah, I think there's a big difference. You know, there's uh, – so if you go to the National Storytelling Festival, there's a, there are, they have a platform. It's a performance. Yeah. Okay? And even and, – and the difference between storytelling and theater, the lights are not down. It's it's just – you know, it's there's no – there's no, there's, no, there's no wall there between the, uh, the actor – and the audience, the mm-hmm. storyteller is interacting with the audience. So in that sense, um, business storytelling shares something, you know, I'm having just ha- telling you something. Um, the difference, I think, is, is it's not a performance. Um, and actually, often in the world of business, if you say, I'd like to tell you a story, that's that's often can be uh, deadly. People yeah. go, they start, they start looking at the watch <laughs> and they go, Are you sure? how, how long is this going to take? <laughs> Yeah, you know, so so I find it's not useful to say, but you say, let me tell you about how that's like something that happened here six months ago uh-huh. or five years ago, yep. and and not even use the word story. And what happens is now you've got you've got the listener's attention. Yes, because absolutely. because because you're speaking to something that they care about, and uh, and you're sharing a story that in some ways embodies a different point of view. Yes. You know, maybe, maybe the speaker's really enthusiastic about an idea, you know. Oh, I, I, I can go, see you know, this. I can go, see hey, this. Rick, that's a great idea. But, but um, have you thought about this? <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. You know, we tried that five years. Let me tell you what happened. Would it be fair to say, Richard, that this was also about the art of conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I would say that if you and I, you wouldn't even feel like I was telling you stories you were just talking with me, mm. and out of that, uh, you know, one of the things that it, it, we learned, uh, one another project that I did with Disney Imagineering, they were interested in how knowledge was shared. Yeah. And um, so, if I sent, if you were uh, an Imagineer and you had you had built a water park ten years ago, and I was a new Imagineer and I was tasked to build the new water park that was coming on with the new theme park, and if I sent you an email and say, "Hey, Rick." Uh, I understand you built that water park ten years ago. Could you could you share some of the lessons you learned? Well, you write back. And I, it would be pretty minimal, you know. It would be pretty cursory. You wouldn't say a lot. But if I came by and knocked on the door and say, "I'd like to introduce myself. I, I'm Richard Stone. I'm the, I'm the new Imagineer. Do you have five minutes?" And you go, well, sure, come on in, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you say, you know, I'm I'm, ha- I'm having to build this new water park, but I. I really want to learn what was it like for you when you built that old water park. Well, now you're going to be telling me all the all the dirty laundry and all the mistakes that you made, you know. And five hours later, you know, maybe the conversation is is concluded uh, because you'll be glad to share and download your wisdom to yes. this young designer. Um, so it is in the art of conversation, Rick, and it requires. Um, it requires great listening, good mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's two ears, what do they say? Two ears, one mouth. That's right. So, you know, we need to listen, uh, twice, listen as much. And t- twice as much. Um, and that's a lost art in itself. Oh, yes. We, we talk about we talk a lot about storytelling, but I tell you, story listening is maybe more important than storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I am. Um, I've been like a, like I said earlier. I've been looking through all of your background information. It's just a, a wonderful tapestry of experience that you have. Now, um, leading up to the pointy end of the call, I'm wondering. Um, is this book applied to any businesses at all and in any settings? And where can Absolutely. they get it? 
Okay, so uh, yes, 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 and yes. So uh, there are uh, tons of examples from the world of business mm-hmm. in the book. And uh, one of the things we identify is that there are seven powers of story. And I think that uh, leaders need to know, how, know what those powers are, and they know, need to know how to utilize them to be more effective in their leadership. And uh, so I've got examples from all kinds of situations, from the World Bank. I have a colleague, uh, Steve Denning, who uh, was at the World Bank and, and through the power of story was able to engage the World Bank to change its focus away from lending to knowledge. Now, they still lend money. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he had this wild idea back in the 19, mid-1990s that the World Bank should become a knowledge bank. He saw what was happening with technology and thought, gosh, we, we have teams of people who go out all over the place and they learn all kinds of things. And then they get disbanded and assigned to new teams and they carry their knowledge with them. And we have no way of tapping into that knowledge. And... Um, and it turns out that a simple story, he was trying to figure out how to, how to get people on board with this idea. And many people thought this was a terrible idea. They, yeah. they thought, we're, we're a bank. What do we do? We lend money, for goodness sake. We're in the money you know? industry. That's, yeah. We're in the money business. <clears throat> and uh, so how do, you, how do you, business, we always are in the business of having to persuade people of a different point of view to get them on board with a new perspective. And if you know how to do that well, and I think the only way to do that well is with the power of story, um, you can be incredibly successful. Yeah, I can and tell. So, yeah. I can tell that uh, I, I'm already itching to get my hands on a copy of this book because I reckon we can always hone our abilities. There's, it's a never-ending thing, is it? And That's so, correct. Yeah. yeah. So there, there is a lot more to be learned uh, about the power of story, and so you know, people can get it on Amazon. Um, now, if you're in Australia, you're probably going to be limited to getting it on Kindle or getting the Audible version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that the print versions, I guess you could order them, but it's going to be pretty costly for, yeah, for, the, for, for the mail. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's available on Kindle and, and the Audible is available. Uh, obviously, in the States, uh, people can order the actually the hardcover or the, or the soft cover. Um, so, uh, and, and yes, I, I think. What we tried to do with this book is we, you know, there's back in the mid 1990s, uh, Daniel Goleman came out with a book called Emotional Intelligence, <clears throat> and and um, that idea was not new. It had been around for a while. Um, uh, uh, Howard Gardner at Harvard had been talking about multiple intelligences, and and there were a number of researchers who were beginning to say, you know, it's not all about our problem-solving skills that makes us successful. It has a lot more to do with what we do with each other in our relationships and how we read each other and how we understand ourselves emotionally. Mm-hmm. And 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 I believe we're at the um, at the cusp of a, of a new breakthrough in thinking, and that's hence the title of the book, Story Intelligence, is that uh, there's a lot of research being done on our brains and how our brains work, and it turns out that story is integral to everything that happens in the brain. We're mm-hmm. wired for it. Yeah. And once we <clears throat> begin to understand that we are story creatures and, uh, and that we're swimming in stories, um, then, then I think we have a lever to become what I would, what we talk about is become the author of your own story, and the word author and authority have 
lot in common. So whoever authors the story has authority in your life. Um, so I think it becomes incumbent upon all of us to take responsibility for the stories we're living in. Um, and then likewise, on the other side of the coin, is also to become better discerners and consumers of stories. You know, uh, we, it's, we have to be responsible when we hear a story to say, wait a second, mm. is that story true? Where does yep. that story come from? Who's telling that story? And and what what do they have? What skin do they have in the game to tell that story that way? What's that ground? Are there any facts that back up that story? Yes. And uh, we live in a dangerous time today because uh, uh, politicians uh, are using stories to manipulate people. Hmm. And so the question we all have to ask is: Do we want to be manipulated? Oh no, goodness <laughs> and, no! <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think anybody consciously would say, no. "Yeah, I'd love to be manipulated." No, today. no. Today I'm going to wake up and be manipulated. Yeah, by. yeah. So, so if you don't want to be manipulated, uh, you better become more knowledgeable about how stories work and how they can sometimes take up residence yes. in our brains in a way. Uh, that makes it d difficult for us to see another point of view. Thank you, so, Richard. I, yeah. I, I'm sitting here just flabbergasted. There's just so much to take in. There are so many, I guess, dimensions to storytelling, uh, story both from the listener's perspective as well as the storyteller themselves. Now, um, when somebody wants to connect with you, they might want to learn more about you personally. What is the website they're going to find? And will they yeah. find any more details about the book there? Oh, sure. They can, they can go to storyintelligence.com. It's spelled just like it sounds, the mm -hmm. word storyintelligence.com. Easy. There's details on ordering the book there, but uh, we have lots of resources on the website, blogs. Uh, I'm doing uh, almost a weekly interview myself with people who have expertise on story. And I just, if anyone's a coach out there, I just uh, posted up one with a, uh, a guy named Sam McGill, who's a coach of coaches. Oh, um, okay. And it's a fabulous interview about the poetics of coaching and the importance of story. So there's pl plenty of resources on storyintelligence.com for them. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm loving this call. I've loved every second of it. I know that there's a great deal more to learn uh, for anybody who is listening to this call today. You can either go to storywork.com and check out Richard's information there, as well as storyintelligence.com. No matter where you find this post, you will find the links back to either one or the other of those websites. And with that all being said, Richard, thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the My Future Business Show today. Oh, thanks so much, Rick. Great being here. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.